Hello and welcome to the Practical Pisces podcast. I'm Chelsea, your favorite psychic medium, your host and your mentor through the world of spirituality and all things woo. I'm here to share my stories and what I've learned along my path and my experiences. My mission here is to help more people open themselves up to their own intuition and their connection with spirit. And with that, let's open the door to intuition and spirit. Welcome back to the Practical Pisces podcast. Today, I have a very exciting episode for you. This will be our first guest. And the topic today is art and intuition and how to blend those worlds and having fun with it. And so I have one of my really good friends and an inspiring human, Jessica Sharpenstein, or as I love to call her, Jay Sharp. She's here to talk with us and really get into her experience. And I do want to speak on my own experience for a moment. My background before the world of woo and when I was looking towards the future, I'd always had in mind being an artist. I was always connecting into that space. It felt like where I was the most aligned and hadn't really found out how I wanted to bring that into my career. Now I'm a spirit artist. So I've opened up that door, but I really am excited to introduce you to Jessica Sharpenstein. So here she is. Thank you, Chelsea. Thank you for having me um, on your podcast. It's an honor. And to speak to the artist piece, I grew up on the stage. The arts were my life. I was a piano player. It's interesting. I stayed away from the visual arts because I have one of those nightmare teacher stories. The visual arts um, is a medium that I stepped into when I got into healing. So I actually stepped away from the arts because it was really harmful for me. I looked at a lot of disordered eating, perfectionism, having to be performative and the pressure all the time. So I totally left the arts and, and revisited them just as a as one an accident, but then it became a, a space of healing for me. So that's what got me started on it. Mm-hmm. And then coming into the spiritual world, which we'll speak to today. Mm-hmm. And I love when you touch on walking away from the arts because of perfectionism. So when I recently had an arts integration se- session with Jessica, It was one of the most helpful experiences I've had in working on my own issues. And Jessica holds a really great space. And when I came in, she brought in the intuitive piece to help me see some of the things I wasn't realizing were coming up for me. And one of those big ones was perfectionism. And the art space, the way I think we were both shown was it needs to be perfect. It's about the product. It's about what you're creating. And you kept reminding me, it's about the process. Would you like to speak on that? Absolutely. It's interesting. I'm a teacher as well, and I always get the message that we teach what we need to know. I have, even in my therapeutic goals recently, have had to look at being more process-oriented rather than Mm product-oriented. So for me, even every day I discover the product-oriented and the wanting to know what's going to happen is really a lot of place from trauma, Mm -hmm. wanting to know what's going to happen because I needed to feel safe. And then the only way I felt valid is if it were perfect. And so I received, I always say there's no victims, they're just volunteers, right? When I was stepping into that, a lesson that I've learned from it is to try to be more process oriented. But again, so then the only way I felt valid walking this earth is if, if I was performative. And it bled over into other things. Once I left the arts, you know, you can 
what is it, John Cabot, John Cabot's in, um, wherever you go, there you are. Wherever you go, there you are. Mm. So I left the arts, but then I showed up into another industry and really the same stuff was there, the perfectionism, the performative. Mm -hmm. I um, mean, our world, I feel like, since the creation of the mirror, we mm -hmm. have worried about how we show up mm -hmm. and how we are perceived. Mm -hmm. And I think even, especially now, like social media, like we can talk that till we're blue in the face, but it is how we feel is not necessarily how we're perceived. For sure. I'm going to touch on social media just a bit. I am like off social media. I joke around. I'm a pioneer. I don't have a television. But what has, and I did a lot of research on body image about 15 or 20 years ago. I was an obesity researcher in the body image. And really it's me search. That's why I was going into that stuff. Mm -hmm. But what I've seen that constant editing the way things have to show up in a certain way with social media and when I worked with adolescents, it would destroy their mental health. I'm grateful I am at an age where I did not have social media growing up because it's a layer of capitalistic patriarchal beauty standards, in, mm -hmm. in my opinion. It's where yeah. it shows up. Um, oh, yeah. And what we're supposed to look like, what we're not supposed to look like. And again, that's that performative stuff. We can only show up we're only worthy if we look a certain way. Mm -hmm. And I think that, again, when then we come into the arts, I mean, arts is so open and it's so many different ways and poetry and photography and a lot of how we put ourselves out there is photography, which is a form of art and social media, in a sense, it's community and art. Yeah. But I feel like it's been diluted into something else and we've lost sight of what we want art to really be and that's losing the process and remembering, oh, it's only the product. It's, it's making me think about why I got back into the arts. So I took a 20 years off um, and I got into this arts integration stuff because when the arts found me again, it made me realize that always oh, everything's so performative and I forgot about the process space of mm -hmm. it because that's the art, the, the trust that happens, the trust in your channel, the trust that everything that comes through is beautiful because it's real. It's not edited necessarily, or sometimes it is. Sometimes there's a beautiful art in editing, but the process, that's where the beauty is. That's where the beauty is in life. And again, that has made me a better artist, is to be more process-oriented. Mm -hmm. Finding community that way, really shifting my perspective on what is art, what it has to be, has mm -hmm. moved me into a whole new way of sharing art. Mm -hmm. And you work with people of like any age, truly. I do, yeah. So I, I started working with adults doing obesity research and my specialty is behavior modification. I was in corporate wellness. I did some entrepreneurial work and I was working with nurses and teachers and I was offering them self-care techniques. And so Here's where the intuition comes in. I came, I was cold calling. I didn't know what to do. I get in my bank account. I hit banging my head against the wall. And this school I reached out to to do professional development for had a mindfulness program that they were starting. And it was for me. I wasn't looking for a job, but Spirit told me it was for me. I had gotten a grant for a mindfulness program. And I didn't know I liked working with children. I had not really worked a lot with young people. But something hit me that this particular 
population didn't have access to mindfulness, to yoga, um, to collage. So that's what got me to working with young people, adolescents, um, and typically I like to work with systemically oppressed adolescents, but really I like them all because I think it's a rough age. I've worked with 20-somethings. I've started really getting into this arts integration method, first with young people, and then I've started expanding again to adults. Mm -hmm. So young people inspire me, but we're all young, right? Mm -hmm. Needing something. And um, we're always trying to reconnect to those younger ages when we didn't oppress ourselves. For sure. When there was maybe more closeness to our own freedom, which childhood trauma will change yeah. that but I feel like we come to adulthood seeking that to find it again I've been really researching the idea of play again lately in the adult world I've looked at some research suggesting that oftentimes ADHD can be connected to a lack of opportunity to play as a young person okay. and then finding our inner children again and nurturing them they never leave they never leave us uh, but to find that kind of stuff and find ways in which we can connect with that and honoring the space that play is necessary to live a whole full life. And I feel, and I'm referring to like connecting with you in session, like even outside of our friendship, but the way that you open space eliminates perfection. Yeah, thank you. It really, that, oh, to anyone who's listening to this, who's type A and trying to shift that shit, <laughs> I walked in and I was like, so what's the itinerary? And she was like, do you need one? And I was like, uh, uh, what? <laughs> and then to sitting down, I'm like, so do we need to do this? Do we need to do this? Like, what do we, where do we start? What do we do? She's like, well, let's like read for a little bit. And I was like, oh, we're going to, oh, we're going to read. And she had all these books out. And it was just like, if anything stands out to you, just take note. And I was like, okay. And then she's like, maybe we'll write a little bit. And then it was just so, there was no box to fit in. And for someone who's always a, trying to seek this perfection and then not being given a roadmap, which even before this, we were talking about how we're carving this new path in our lives and there isn't a roadmap. There really, is there ever really no, a roadmap? No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm just saying, yeah, like, no. no. And it's scary for us perfectionists. I'm a recovering perfectionist as well. <laughs> it's scary because we might get in trouble or we, this is a thought that we mm -hmm, have, and mm -hmm. we're coloring outside of the lines. And then really, I think a society tells us that there's this linear pathway in life that by 25, we found our partner, by 30, we've had children, and we look at the house, and that's so not true, at least for me, that's mm -hmm. not the path. But yeah, that roadmap, non-existent. And, and then somehow a roadmap equals safety, but it doesn't. No, there's no getting out free. No, <laughs> right? We're, I mean, we all are going to have grief and... and hurt and that's what makes us feel human but it's also human to want to avoid that yeah it's we, we try to avoid pain sure i was talking to my guides the other day and just and they were like it doesn't have to be so hard and i'm like which part which part doesn't have to be so hard and it was you could honor the suffering yeah that you chose when you came to this planet you yeah. could honor the beautiful suffering and sacrifice without trying to constantly understand it. Yeah, this has been an interesting message for me too. So I just created this piece, I'll show it to you in a bit, speaking to just some emotional abuse that I've been through. Mm -hmm. But I have this beautiful collage process that I can do this and I can look at it, um, which was introduced to me later because I was perfectionist, so career driven that I didn't, and, and actually Dr. Brene Brown's work on shame and wholehearted living and perfectionism, The Gifts of Imperfection is a great book, really even helped me start to engage with the arts again and knowing that it can be messy. 
And that was a time in my life I was really starting to open again up to my spirituality. And so I was very rigid and driven and in a linear quantitative world. And Brene Brown offered some art journaling classes. And I had my cousin and my aunt alongside of me. And one of the tenets in the gifts of imperfection to living wholeheartedly was to be creative. And it was at that point when I decided to go back to dance class, to try a collage, to not care that I wasn't trained in something and just to take a risk. It was so freeing to let go of that perfectionism. And then I had another friend who was a, a trained visual artist and we would get together and process about psychological theory. And we were talking about collaging and we explored tearing the magazine pieces out rather than cutting them to mm. really look at perfectionism. So then what would come up for you if we're just tearing it up? So then I started sharing that with my young people, with my students. So I had some, one of my students, she's wonderful. We, I don't have children. I look at my students as my children and they are mirrors for me. And it was really heartbreaking to see how stressed out she was in her perfectionism, really honestly keeping her small and not able to have any type of connection. And so I did, I tried the tearing the paper and then we painted a, a book. We painted in the book and she was appalled, like, Miss Jessica, what are we doing? But then <laughs> it just opened up into that freedom. That's the looking up at the perfectionism. And then there's an art form, it's called Kintsugi. It's a Japanese, uh, the lacquer, the or excuse me, the gold lacquer that they use yes. to hold the pots together and, and I'm probably summarizing perhaps incorrectly but yeah there was the story of the parable that there was a pot presented to someone of royalty and the person of royalty dropped it broke it they put it back together with the lacquer and he said oh, now it's perfect Mm -hmm. So the cracks and the lacquer and the bringing together is what makes us so whole and beautiful. And so that always stands out to me as an artist. And then when offering art to other people is the beauty. Wabi-sabi is another kind of term for that as well. I love that you have the terms just locked and loaded. Well I'm, <laughs> I'm a mindfulness. I've written about it. It's a mindfulness kind of perspective too. I feel like we hear it so much, but do we fully resonate with your imperfections is what makes you perfectly imperfect. Like we can hear it a thousand times, but unless you resonate with it, because we might hear it, but it doesn't set in. Yeah, I think that's something maybe perhaps we marinate on all our lives, perhaps. It's something I've offered to myself when I get in a place. I love animals and I love an animal, like maybe they only have three legs and that makes them more amazing to me. Not even more, it's just that I can see them for who they are or like, I joke around, maybe the cat's big bones or whatever we're going to call it. But like, I love it. I don't look at it that way. I can see their spirit. So I try to remind myself that people see my spirit. Mm -hmm. And they see your vibration. They yeah. see, and people connect with others because there is a level of understanding that we're cut from the same cloth. Thank you, Chelsea. Um, may I ask you yeah. some questions? So in that session... How comfortable were you with writing or reading? Um, I, I listened to my guidance from spirit because every session is different. Mm -hmm. I was guided to provide these books. I was guided to write first. So if you could share maybe your experience 
with perfectionism reading, perfectionism mm -hmm. in writing, perfectionism in art and sharing, what was your experience? That was something, actually, I'm really glad you brought that up because in my session, that was something that you highlighted for me was, I'm gonna actually share a really funny story about how our inner child can shape our belief system in such a covert and simple way. And we don't realize how embedded these things can be. I was coming into the session with Jessica and I was picking up books and this phrase that always used to come to mind was, I'm not a good reader. And then I had to go, where does that come from? At what point did I go, I'm reading a book and I'm not a good reader. But where that came from, I remember being in second grade. I wasn't doing well on my reading tests and they put me in reading class. Nobody was mad at me. I wasn't in trouble. Nothing was wrong, but it was my perception as a child. Oh, I need extra help. So something's wrong. And I took it just going into that class as, oh, I'm a bad reader, so that's why I'm here. And that's second grade. Decades later, still holding on to it. And also the belief that when you start a book, you start it from the beginning and you finish it. You don't skip over things, you don't flip through pages, you start and then you finish. And Jess says to me, why? What if you just open a page and you read a part that felt good to you? And not all books are meant to be read start to finish. Some are books of poetry which you had. We were exploring these themes of patriarchal violence. And so I was just very much guided to get lots of different texts. So what that served was this technique. I find it a really easy way to enter into the writing process. So I found a variety of texts. Um, that's actually how I teach. That's how I believe in agency and choice and be able to choose for ourselves, which is also hard as a perfectionist mm -hmm. to have choices. I don't know if that came up for you. Mm -hmm. uh, am I choosing the right text or the right or wrong, the binary thinking about that Black kind of white. stuff too. And I'm the type of reader, I get that. It's not, it doesn't count unless it's finished or start to finish Which stuff. is so silly. Yes. It's so silly when you think about it. But art teachers also portray things that way. Yeah. You have to follow the procedure. In arts education, there is a, you have some drafts, you have to have your idea when you start. You're going to need to like fine tune what that idea is before paint even touches the page. And that this is something you edit, you get critiqued on it until it becomes this perfect product. And also you have a deadline. It's a deadline is pressure. Yeah. And I think, do we in life actually have a deadline or is the deadline our passing that we can never anticipate? I just, can we talk about deadlines? Yeah, let's talk so about deadlines. Deadlines are a really interesting thing. And I was sharing a story about how important it is to be timely with me and communicate those types of things. And so for me, a deadline is an agreement. We've made an agreement. I think that's fair. I had to miss a deadline last week because I was, I had to honor my rhythm. I was in some sort of way and the writing process wasn't there. And so I asked, I was up front. I was like, oh my gosh, I of course, I felt horrible for missing this deadline that I created. Mind you. Right? <laughs> um, but just the whole thing with the deadline, I do feel like it is an agreement. It's an agreement. And can they move? But I used to be very rigid about a, a deadline. And there's a level of accountability. Yes. That's important. I th but there is also being human. Yes. And at what point? Will you pause accountability yes. for being human? Right. I'm going to look at, yeah, so we can be human. And I think about, I'm going to shift to the theater, my acting experience, mm -hmm. because there always is an opening night. 
we <laughs> do come to this agreement where we're going to come together and do these things we've agreed upon this. Mm -hmm. We're also speaking of doing things as a group rather than this maybe a one person type of thing. And so mm -hmm. what I love about acting is that we build trust and community. I'm gonna to speak to when my father passed, um, it was five years ago, but I was in the middle of getting ready to open a show. And I was really struggling to memorize choreography or anything, but it was right in the middle of it. But my, my cast, my team members, they held me up. And it wasn't my best, but it was my best. And I got up there and was helped by my theater family. So in that case, the community piece of the art of us agreeing to do something and holding one another up and dancing and dancing in that way of creating connection and community was really a beautiful art form. And then again, we're process oriented. It had nothing to do with the show. What I'm speaking to you mm -hmm. about is the, how my community showed up, the process of it. During a time of huge grief. Yeah. And that we can look at and again, this is speaking to all community, but we're going to focus on that art community being a reflection of that. But our world has kind of become competitive. The art space has become competitive It's in a lot of ways. And, and then looking at social media, even social media for artists, like there are so many artists that feel like I have to have a product every single day to be valuable or to get enough views. And I constantly have to be putting out and creating but back in the day, hundreds of years ago, they would work on an art piece for years before it ever saw the light of day, if it ever did. And hearing you talk about community in a time you needed it most, is that not what we need right now? Yeah, totally. I thank you for the segue. <laughs> That's what fascinated me about bringing the arts to the young people was the community that I received and I kept coming back to this like these people who are in the show with they were my community and there is nothing like the theater community there's nothing like that type of connection and that is another gift that we bring I wrote a piece in the English Journal about arts integration and community with young people and I proposed a TEDx talk about community in the arts and mm -hmm. arts integration yes we need that yes we need connection and then we think about social media it, it creates loneliness it can and then the artists there's such a scarcity thing in every community but the arts community can really get into that scarcity mindset no more starving artist no that's no we're it's 2023 the arts are important <laughs> and they don't have to be performative like we're creating art right here and creating community mm -hmm. spoken word for sure and i think there is thinking about community feels so important and i love to hear you speak on young people i think in my own sphere i was even having a conversation this morning there's so much of our world that's like you need a niche audience you have to find this space to then these are your people but what if i go through seasons as a person of who i'm trying to connect with and is it always going to be this niche group and yes that might make more sense for marketing but also even in the spiritual world and how do we connect with the youth of our world who is the next wave and the next wave of spiritual beings yeah so i was in public education for five years and i tell people still i love working with young people still but my job is to keep them awake that's what i say mm -hmm. um, to keep them awake because they're the most open hopeful intuitive beings and i just love being around young people 
and fostering that creativity and that growth and that choice is that's how we're showing them what community looks like. And, and in the piece that I worked with this particular pilot, I worked with multilingual students. A lot of them were Spanish speakers, some were refugees, some parents were, were multilinguals and then they had been born in the United States. And this all of the stuff that they bring along with them. And so in our community, in our classroom community, we use drama, theater exercises to create community. And that what our tenants were is like this belonging, trust, visibility, and then always there's conflict. We can't avoid that, but what do we do to come back from a rupture? And I think the arts also can be an abstract way to receive information and to look at information. It's not so harsh. Digestible. Yeah, so we I have these collages, they're kind of harsh that we're looking at, we can mm -hmm. put them up. Yeah, they I, might go in the show notes after this. Yeah, but, but also it can be, it could be a symbol. One of my students did, it was based on the work of Carol Walker, she does silhouettes, and it was about oppression of the African American community. So that my students did something inspired by that. A woman, she created a pregnant woman. It was a silhouette. You could see it in the window and then it had the feminism symbol in it. Like that was so powerful. And her explanation of that and her experience was being sexually assaulted, but also she was very much a feminist and she wanted to show that the human body, the woman's body is beautiful, but something so simple could say all of those things. And, and we have a choice in how we receive those things. I like to hear you say a choice in how we receive those things because at the end of the day, your perception, how you receive things is your reality, period, full stop. It just is. And even again, going through that integration process, creating my own art and writing things down and letting myself get into that creative flow helps me intuitively see my own roadblocks. Yeah, and then you said her intuitively and creatively, like we're in the same sentence, and that's to me very connected. Our creativity is our spirituality, yes? Yes. I think about that connection between our spirituality and creativity and what needs to heal for us to be creative individuals. So my question for you is then, I mean, you fearlessly do things, <laughs> which is cool. And you fearlessly came into this session. Is it because it's art? Is it, did you have any apprehension? Did you have any shoulds? Did you have any expectations related to your creativity or like what it would be like to work with me? I'd love to hear your experience yeah, with that. I would say I was actually really excited, but I was assuming there was format. I was assuming there was a way to go about things and I think that's how I look at life and I'm actually really trying to shift that. I don't want to look at life with shoulds anymore and so getting to come into a space with permission to explore it differently really opened up all these other avenues. My experience now coming as a spirit artist there is no control when it comes to channeling the art of spirit. There isn't, it's their show. What they want it to come through is gonna come through. Is it gonna be a portrait? It might be. Recently I painted somebody a crane and I was not expecting that. Or one person, it was like, that came through, there was like a beach scene and pearls and like that was the message. But I can't, I can't control what they bring through and sometimes it just starts out as little blobs of color and I let it evolve over time. How do I navigate this new way of bringing through art 
in a channeled space with a bit of a limit because I'm spending a certain amount of time on it. And then when you gave me permission to bring in the writing, I started adding poetry to these pieces. I started collaging them and it gave me so much more freedom. I'm always like analyzing, always have my clipboard. And what I really picked up on you saying was you were assuming. And I was mm-hmm. just talking about the four agreements just yesterday about that. Love like, the four never, right? We don't make assumptions. Those mm-hmm. get us in trouble mm-hmm. or they limit us. Mm-hmm. And so I love that you spoke about these assumptions. And then mm-hmm. when you let them go mm-hmm. and allowed yourself to be surprised, you're adding even more to this art that mm-hmm. comes through. So again, you're like taking the, the hair out of the clogged drain and just letting <laughs> it come through that way. Mm-hmm. That's so beautiful. And to, Again, and I always love, this is my favorite part of sitting and watching. I want to touch on, I I just feel called to ask more about piano Mm. because I feel like what I want to say is the musical arts is another space that is riddled with perfection. Piano for me, I grew up in a musical family and my father was a musician. And so what I saw was the right and wrong things to do. That's again, how I was conditioned. I'm exploring music. That's something where I have to get the right and wrong out of my mind. So I took a 20-year break. I was a piano major. I'm a very flexible player. I can play classical. I can play jazz. I can play rock. I can play keyboards. I can do whatever. It became very performative. And for me, the music piece, why I quit it, I, a couple years ago, was in this place where I wanted more emotional intimacy. There was something missing in my life. And man, spirit lines people up for me always. Spirit is always good at lining people up. So I met this particular teacher and I kept hearing, go go play piano. And it felt so scary. And I, if it feels scary like that, I usually means I have to go check it out and I'll do it. <laughs> I started a collage about piano. I have this collage, it's called Wrong Notes. Everything was right or wrong. It's very binary for me in the arts. Mm-hmm. And just recently I started playing jazz again. And the way I've shifted my mindset about all of it, it's so freeing. I'm having so much fun and freedom playing, collaborating, being pretty open to taking risks. The musical community is cool, and then you play with a band, and you cooperate, and you find people, again, we're back to community, creating Mm -hmm. safety. That was a big thing for me. So music is an unsafe art for me sometimes Mm -hmm. because of my experience, but I'm I'm repaving that. I'm repaving that story. And I think we're repaving art to be a space of connecting into divinity in our own way. Yes. And when I think about even, like, singing in the kitchen and nobody's there, like, that's connecting to divinity. And when we think about how do we connect with the heavens while we sing? Yeah. And how do we connect with the angels? There's all these different pieces where we're trying to connect to this higher vibration, but it's always through the space of creativity. Is creativity just a channel for the divine and our perfectionism gets in the way of that? Uh, Amen. I'm snapping my fingers to that statement for sure. And it's interesting you bring up singing. That's a vulnerable space for me. I was in, and my cousin, who's also very talented, intuitive. She was a vocal performance major. When I was developing as a Reiki practitioner, Mm -hmm. I was starting to open up again to my intuition and I was alongside my cousin and she was doing one of my Reiki attunements and she said, she's funny, she uh, holds me accountable. Girl, we're going to do some chanting today. I was like, I'm not doing that. (laughs) And she's like, well, then let's look at that. Let's look at that. And another way 
she showed me, it's, she said, Jessica, what do you do when you teach yoga? You tell people it's not what it looks like, it's how it feels. She goes, this is chanting. It's not what it looks like, it's how it feels. And we did chanting, we did the chakras. We moved through all the different chakras and did the chant that mm -hmm. aligned with all the chakras. And we chanted for maybe 30 minutes. Oh my gosh, it connected me to the divine. It was amazing. It was amazing. Like, I need to go chant right now. It felt so good in my mm -hmm. soul and the, the divine. And then I would take it to my Bellarmine students, these college students, and I would have them chant and they would always come back. But removing that perfectionism, performative stuff allows us to connect to the divine because we all are divine. We're all creative. We're all intuitive. Mm -hmm. I, I think about how people say, I'm not intuitive. I'm an accountant. You're a genius and intuitive with numbers. Mm -hmm. My accountant is so compassionate, and I, I call her the compassionate accountant. Like, <laughs> but she's super spiritual, and I, I just love that. And that's her zone of genius. That's her spirituality. She's actually also a writer, too. I'm thinking about that. Mm -hmm. Well, and I even think when we talk about there's so many people who are opening to spirituality, and they maybe will look at what I do or what you do and say, well, then I need to pursue my spiritual career or I need, how do I make money on it? It's soul food. It's, yeah. it, it is connecting you to something more than you to weave into your day to day. This makes me think of my friend, Heather, who's a hairstylist. <laughs> and I always remind her, especially when she gets really into her spirituality and she's taking Reiki with me and all these fun things. And I'll tell her how many conversations about spirituality do you have a day that uplifts someone? And is it that you need to be giving them a reading or is it that, oh, they have a loved one on the other side that's trying to come through while you're doing their hair and you need to give them a message? Is it always that or is it you're giving light to people when they need it? And I was telling Jess about this earlier, but Spirit's been showing me lighthouses lately. It's never been a thing for me. So the fact that it shows up recently, I'm like, okay, like, what is that calling and what does that mean to me? And I was telling Jess, I was like, I've been seeing lighthouses and I think Spirit's reminding me that I'm meant to like beacon light for people who are in their storm. But does that mean I'm calling you in to become the spiritual practitioner? No, not necessarily. Now, if that calls you, hit me up, let's talk. <laughs> but it's that, how do you become someone's lighthouse in their storm connecting to divinity? And is it through art? You have so many nuggets in there that I want to kind of touch to you. Like we, mm -hmm. are, art, we are moving art. Mm -hmm. We are channels. And your channel is different than my channel, and your art is different than my art, but we need us both. Mm -hmm. And it's funny, hairstylists, I want to shout out to hairstylists, because yes. you all are healers, you listen, all of the energy that you carry with you, you're spiritual. I was going to call my therapist, yes. <laughs> so he's a Reiki practitioner as well, but just... So the holding space, the listening, that's a spiritual practice. Mm -hmm. Creativity, uh, we are creative. We are inherently creative. That's art. It's art. And, in, and it's art. And then we look at our expectations, our relationship with expectations. It has to be this to be art. I have to be this to be spiritual. Something I run into, let's say I'm going to speak to my spirituality, or my intuition, I always say I've been in the spiritual closet. I get in there sometimes. <laughs> but that's my own story about what, who is a spiritual person. I'm a business person. I'm an academic. I have a health background. And so my idea of spiritual is, or a spiritual person, the crystal ball. 
the like Miss Miss Cleo, right? Oh gosh, yes. So so yes. I associate that with that, and there's a connotation, which then again I have to look at entertainment purposes only, right? But then what is my expectation, or what is my relationship with caring what other people think? Mm-hmm. They're dimming our light, they're dimming our creativity. So mm-hmm. yeah, we are creative. We all inherently creative, then therefore we are all inherently intuitive. How do we remove the conditioning that obstructs that? And how often do we hear a fantastic artist say, well, I'm not an artist? Yeah, I do. (laughs) (laughs) There's a level of, it doesn't always have to be titled. I will just say that. We don't always have to have a labeling process. Guess what? A labeling process can help. Yes, for sure. I would even say in healing. In healing, just having a label for something can help you process the emotion attached to it. I want to speak to what was reflected to me as being a healer and having maybe a label. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't see the value of my work of energy healing until someone else recently gave me some energy healing. And I was like, there's nothing like it. Mm -hmm. Also, their flavor is different than my flavor. I was like, oh gosh, there's just nothing like it. Mm -hmm. And so that's so valuable what we're sticking on these things of it having to be a certain way or anything. But yes, the label can help sometimes. Mm -hmm. One of my... Obstacles used to be was that I wouldn't be taken seriously if I'm an intuitive because there's so much negative connotation attached to that word, mm-hmm. psychic especially, right? Mm-hmm. Psychic. So I would say, well, you know, I'm a jack of all trades. <laughs> no, <laughs> or I'm an artist, or this or that. But like, it sometimes I don't even mention it because I don't, I, I don't know how to explain it. I don't want to hear it. But I'm gonna wave my freak flag today, man. I'm an intuitive. <laughs> I'm uh, wave my I'm intuitive. Flag. I write a gratitude journal every morning and every morning, I thought it was going to end soon. Every morning I write, I'm grateful for this slow morning. I'm grateful to be able to work with my own rhythms. I'm grateful to be able to drink this coffee here slowly. And I wish it weren't such a luxury to work at our own rhythms. Um, I'm going to give a shout out to teachers here. So I was in the public school system and then to get up, you hear teachers say this all the time, but it's real. You can't pee when you need to. You can't eat when you want to. So really your basic needs are dictated by someone else. And many other sectors in our society, our basic needs, our rhythms are not honored. So that honoring is a real luxury we have as entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. My mom's a teacher and thinking about how much teachers hold space for people, whether that's part of the job description or not whether it's in the hours that their contract dictates or or showing up for people when grades are due and everybody's trying to get their assignment in at the last second. There is a level of your boundaries aren't your own. Yeah. And that's hard to be a witness to. And I do feel really grateful that this is my work, but it has its, its other sides to it too. I was just talking about this with my partner the other day. I was like, man, there is a program for everything. There's the program to do my taxes. There's one to record the podcast, to edit it. Then there's the, the space to then upload it. There's so many little different things, but then I turn my brain and go, yeah, but do I want to be on someone else's time? Chelsea, what was interesting, what struck me about what you said is we talk about being entrepreneurs. We get to have our own rhythm. Some of us, not all of us, mm-hmm. but it's Elizabeth Gilbert, Big Magic. She discusses in her book, which is a great book about creativity and our rhythm. So I highly recommend that one too. But she says there's a shit sandwich with everything. 
<laughs> so as an entrepreneur, like we take vacation, we maybe pay twice. We have to, we're not making money, right? We're not seeing clients and then we're also paying for vacation. Mm -hmm. um, but we take vacation whenever we want. If it's mm -hmm. appropriate for our industry, that's our choice. Mm -hmm. I think about when I'm working in the school system, I had the closest thing to a small business. I had, once I got in the walls of my classroom, I had some agency. I got paid. Spirit had my back. I had, I got paid every two weeks during the pandemic. Lit. Right? <laughs> so, but however, I got up at four, had to be there, whatever. So there, that was a shit sandwich. There's always a shit sandwich with everything. It's like, which shit sandwich do we want to eat? I'm looking at is that's when the uncertainty comes in. That's what I, the shoulds come in. That's when I'm going to be punished because I'm not producing all of the time. So for me, the downtime is scary. And how can I produce in my downtime? Right. And then how can we produce if we don't have downtime? And then in the spaces of rest, right. I'm still beating myself up for resting. So is it really right. rest? Yeah. And we've been talking about creativity and production so much. It just hit me one day about six months ago, back to the piano. The downtime is the practice, is also the work so that we can produce. Mm -hmm. So it was just a different rhythm and cycle. We get those metaphors all the time. A flower can't be in bloom all mm -hmm. the time. Mm -hmm. and, being, set it that way. and being an intuitive space holder. Yes. Because again, we both are in a different way. And connecting into, yeah, psychic tarot readings, yes, it's space holder. But mediumship, I would say even more. Because you're holding the space of grief. You're holding the space of trying to honor and reverence to spirit. Yes. And also the person in front of you while also holding those emotions. The amount of internal work that we have to keep up with. Yes. To actually be emotionally available to hold that space. Yeah. There's a whole lot of gold in what you just said. Just the responsibility of it, being a healer or being a medium. Yes. All of it. And then just how if we're down, we have no business doing intuitive work or healing. Mm -hmm. Like, cause if we're feeling sick, yeah. some sort of way. If I've got a migraine, it's over. No. The day's done. And that's hard as someone who's focused on trying to make sure I show up for people and like yeah. heal, the healed perfection is still working on it and, yes. and also showing up on time, yes. trying to heal that. And then boom, that day, three clients booked and you've got a migraine or you've got a sinus issue or sometimes like I get vertigo, day's yeah. done. Done. I have to reschedule everybody. Yeah. And trying not to feel the guilt and shame. Yeah. Even though it's completely out of my hands. Yeah. I think about for me, when I work with people who want to develop intuitively, I tell them the first step is you take care of your vessel or bodies. Mm -hmm. Are you drinking water? Are you sleeping? Are you meditating? Things like that to, to allow the channel to come through. Mm -hmm. Being that part. And then the perfectionism around that. Being in the health and fitness industry, I attached well-being to perfectionism. Mm -hmm. So it had to be a certain way or I couldn't do it or it wasn't this or wasn't that. And there's such information overload in that world too, especially now. Yes. Especially everything's causing cancer. Like yeah. you're just trying to maintain this clean, clear vessel Yes. with problems at every turn. It's a little overwhelming. It's overwhelming. I was in the fitness industry. Another sweet friend said, you can't fight gravity. She said, don't fight the universe, don't fight gravity. Um, I like that. So it is a fine dance. Uh, I'm always looking at the perfection and then even how I show up into my workouts. I like working out. Sometimes I've had to take breaks. I have to, those are hard lessons for me. 
but I can really meet myself where I am. I think I've shared that I have some disordered eating, restrictive eating stuff, mm -hmm. exercise bulimia, and I get to look at it from all different vantage points. It doesn't go away. I get to look at it a little differently about where I am, where I've come. And I think some of it's just inevitable. I wore high heels the other day, and I just needed to wear these high heels so to see if I could do it. And it did something for me. Mm -hmm. I see if I still got it, whatever even that means. Whatever even. Even you and I were talking about coming into summer, and part of where... Jess and I connect is coming from the healed trauma space and not that our trauma makes us certified to speak but it's also part of what gives us the grit to understand the people that sit in front of us and coming from that trauma space I remember telling her I was like dude I don't know what I just healed but I feel comfortable in shorts yeah same we were wearing shorts today this is when we commented on it we were both going through some similar healing looking at some different similar experiences that many women experience the shorts and the story wouldn't we have so 50 different stories of why we can or can't wear shorts like I can't even go to the gas station in shorts without feeling looked or leered at yeah and, and that is part of this world that we're in right now and yeah. also I still deserve to exist yeah I, I have had a lot of experiences lately with not being sexualized because really that's what it is right we're being sexualized and a few years ago, I started shifting the story of how, what I believe about is men. For me, it's white men. That was my thing that I had to look at my implicit bias about. And as I've shifted that and, and said, that's not true. Let me examine it. That's my story. Um, that, that story has changed. In the past few years, I've been presented with men professionally, romantically, all different types of ways that did not sexualize me. And it was so, it's been so amazing to feel safe and connected. And I think a lot of that is the internal work. I can shift it, my truth. Your truth. Creativity and looking at, at that from the spiritual space, creativity blossoms from our womb space, our sacral space. And that space is also innately sexual and sensual. And so how do you connect into creativity and sensuality in a way that isn't sexualized and how do you show up in this world where a woman has to be a thousand different ways before she's ever what's wanted or needed but to let her be sensual in her creativity i think we're still navigating that i'm going to speak to the sacral creativity looking at dating again or looking at how i show up with people or how we all do like the the first the sexualization of attraction the energy of attraction is creativity mm -hmm. and it's interesting I was taught something I absorbed as a message is that I have to have a sexual relationship if I'm attracted to something really that attraction could be maybe let's write a song together let's mm -hmm. write together let's flirt and be attracted and we can move on it doesn't always have to be this certain thing that comes up from that for me working with what i was taught about creativity and my sexuality and having to lead with my sexuality because that's my only value shifting that has made me a more open creator mm -hmm. and then to use that energy in many ways, not just one. Mm -hmm. It's almost like having a, a, a wider paint palette with different ways in which to use all of this cool creativity that I have. Because creativity can be cooking, it could be anything. Well, and it's channeling it. Yes. How do you channel that 
excitement because it's really what it is. It's excitement and desire. Yes. And how do you channel that into the things you want, whether that's manifesting, whether that is in a sexual relationship, whether it is cooking, singing, art, piano, whatever that may be. We are still in this world of navigating how to reclaim that sacral energy, which is one of Jess's favorite things, like sacral reclamation. That was the biggest thing that I feel like I learned from her. And so how do we reclaim that in a safe way as people that might be coming from a traumatized experience? Yeah, that's a great question. So I'll just speak to my own personal experience. And then even as a teacher, I was working with students and we're all traumaed out. COVID-19 caused <laughs> trauma, right? Yeah, it did. I just read um, Gabor Mate's book and just there's that capital T trauma and the little T trauma is what we often miss too. The messaging about our emotional needs being met, the messaging about having to be a certain physical appearance to be living in this world and all that unraveling of that type of piece. So for me, I had to learn one to create safety. We have to have safety. And again, I'll bring it back to the theater, a theater group. Mm-hmm. We start with um, ensemble. We start with ensemble exercises to create safety so that we can trust mm-hmm. and then create from there. So that was something I had to go one, acknowledge. I didn't know mm-hmm. the trauma, abuse, all that kind of stuff to redefine, to retell our story. And that is something that I'm interested in too, is we get to, we, I get to write the new chapter, mm-hmm. re, retell the story. And then learn about ourselves, self-study, learning that I was sharing with Chelsea the other, just recently, I was mistaking my past for my present. I was projecting something, a traumatizing experience from my past over on someone who was not trying to traumatize me mm-hmm. at all. To be able to step back, to use my tools, to be able to say my past is not my present, and then have connected conversation, that was a big thing, so then I can create from that point. Mm-hmm. But having to recognize it and name it is part of it too, yeah? Yeah. There's two sides of that, where there's one, you know, in being the healing practitioner, having to, again, like we've been talking about, we work on ourselves so that we can be a safe space. Yeah. Because if I'm in my triggered space, I can't be there for you. No, I was thinking about, it's really glamorous, I'm using air quotes, Mm -hmm. to be a healer, to be an intuitive. It takes a whole lot of self-study to show up Mm -hmm. with integrity. And it really should, that's not just healers, it's all of us. It should take self-study to look at what's my part in this. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, that we were just talking about that. What's my my part in this? I'm just a question asker, I think, and I just ask it out loud. Maybe not all of them have answers right now. Maybe they will one day, but... How do you step into this world authentically, share your story, but it not be for the sake of trauma dumping on someone else? And how do I relate to you and share with you so you feel less alone without then trauma bonding with you? I've been always trying to look at myself, right? Mm -hmm. So I think we have to look at ourselves. Let's say I'm the one being the the rescuer. Mm -hmm. I have to look at how I'm keeping you small. Trying to rescue you. Ooh. I think for me, it was learning compassionate language, the languaging, the inquiry. And I mentioned to you, I'm very much into self-inquiry. Mm-hmm. I feel that we all have the answers within ourselves if we are asked the appropriate question. A friend of mine just lost her father and is experiencing overwhelm and dissociating. Mm-hmm. She's, you know, I'm dizzy, I'm dizzy, I'm dizzy. I said, what would you like me to see for you? Mm-hmm. 
what would you like me to see for you? So then that helps her. Oh, wait, I would like to feel peaceful. Mm -hmm. Oh, so then she's naming that mm -hmm. rather than, oh my God, what can I do? Mm -hmm. And not fixing it. Right. Because she's not broken. My job and your job, we are not saving anybody. No. And it's very easy to think when you step into therapy, intuitive fields, or step into nursing, these spaces of nursing, teaching, support, teaching, all therapy, those helping professions. We are not saviors. Mm -hmm. And when you take the weight of that off your shoulders of I'm here to save people, one, it keeps you out of the look how big I am. It kind of gives God complex. Like I'm coming into all these people's lives to save them. Yeah. Like, no, I'm going to help you see where you want to be. But that's up to you. Yeah. That isn't up to me. I'm just a vessel for spirit. Sure. And this is actually a conversation with you and your guide team, not me and my ego. I always tell people when I do readings for them, there is no finite answer. Like, we have free will. That is the gift of this world. What timeline do you want? Let's see the roadblocks to get you there. Because yeah. if we can move the blocks in your way, it becomes easy. A couple of things I was really king into is like the ego piece, the ego piece that we can all get to, that I have, it's gatekeeping, or, or it's that maybe we're helping so much as the ego piece, we're the channels, we're the space holders. But also as a person who's coming in for healing or an intuitive piece, we're just channels. Mm -hmm. And something I've noticed is sometimes I don't resonate with perhaps what was being channeled for me. Oh, yes, I get I, that. That I relate to. I'm like, Chelsea, your friend wouldn't tell you this. Yeah. But Chelsea, the medium, they're telling me this. Yeah. I don't know if I'd give you that advice. And that's me being honest. And I had someone actually ask me that recently. They're like, do you ever disagree with what Spirit says? I'm like, absolutely. And I'm usually proven wrong. But sometimes I've, I've questioned when things are being channeled for me. And I'm like, I feel like that's a message of me learning how to think for myself. If something doesn't resonate with me, that doesn't mm -hmm. mean it's gospel. Oh, yeah. Discernment. Yeah. And is that message for me right now? Right. That's one of my favorites. It's yeah. like, look, if it doesn't resonate, pin in it. It might make more sense later. Yeah. what if you're getting that message two years in advance? Yes. And, and, and sometimes a symbol and a message from your channel it could come through. It's a notebook. And for you, the, the vision of a notebook is for me to write. Well, I'm receiving the notebook. And the notebook for me means to create a collage. It could be something totally different. So being comfortable with our own symbolism and, and what that message means. I had a, I was channeling mediumship for somebody. And again, like spirits using the dictionary of the channel, right? Right. But how you receive it is what matters. Yes. What I was getting in my mind for this person, I was like, whatever reason in my brain, I'm seeing buffalo red hot wings. For whatever reason, I keep seeing that, keep seeing that they're red wings, red wings. Well, it turned out that the Spirits' favorite sports team were the Red Wings. But I don't know sports. I'm snapping and clapping. So, but in my mind, I'm like, hot wings. That's what I've got. That's what they could yes. pull from my mind. That's the only way they were going to speak it to me. But how that person received it versus what came out of my mouth are yes. two very different concepts. Yes. But that's the difference between... Okay, well, then how does it resonate for you? And if it doesn't, will you be patient enough for it to resonate later? Yeah. Because I don't think any message is for nothing. There's something to it. I even had a reading recently. I was like, that part really didn't make sense. But you know what? It right. might make sense in six weeks. Yes. And I'm like, oh, that bitch said that thing. Yes. And then it yes. clicks. Yes. I had a similar experience. Somebody brought something through from my guides. They said, it was funny person channeling for me was like, they really, or they keep showing me Ricky Bobby, a shake and bake. And, and I was like, and 
this person's like, I know you don't watch TV, all this. I was like, I know what they're saying. I do this skit, we do this improv game with this person and they think it's really funny and all that. It was something totally different, mm -hmm. but understanding that. Something else I think about is sometimes when people walk in and they put the responsibility on the healer. Mm -hmm. They're looking out for something they can look in for. Of course, we need mirrors and people to give us questions and stuff like that, but really our healing is our own responsibility. Because mm -hmm. at the end of the day, that reading has absolutely nothing to do with me. Nothing. I'm here to facilitate it. And that speaks to the art, right? Mm -hmm. We're just the channel, so we have to step out of our way and let it come through. And how we think it should look. Sure. It's interesting, I asked, I keep talking about the visual because that's what I have the least experience of training with. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes I ask spirit to show me ways to bring visual, bring anything through that is effective, that is, give me the tools to be effective in what I'm bringing through. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's the, that feels I like little... the word effective. So we have to show up to our intuition. We have to show up to our art. So we just sit down and we just sit down and we just keep practicing. To me, it's like meditation. If I don't have an idea, I still sit down. Mm -hmm. I still sit down. Sometimes, and sometimes it's just showing up. I sat there, I had a piece of paper in front of me, I had the materials out, I had the colors in front of me, and I sat there. I picked up three colors and I scribbled, and that's what I had that day. I like to give myself permission to revisit. Oh, I like that. I like to give myself permission to throw it away. Or burn it. Yeah, because that means our creativity is, is endless, it's limitless, mm -hmm. boundless. So when we can keep showing up and trust that I'm getting rid of it, just because it's taking up space, it's not bad or good. It's taking up space and something else will come in. And something eliminating the in. black and white and that yeah. you can let go of things. Yeah. I like, I'm a letter goer. I, I'm right. a thrower aware. I will clear it out. Do I don't you? Need, I don't need all that stuff. I'm very not hoardery. I'm not either. And I know people who are, and I see the merit in it as well. Like, but yes. what if you need it later? And then, hey, sometimes later comes and you do need it. Yeah. And also sometime later comes and you don't need it. And it took up space. Yeah. But let's be clear. Those people who hold on to things, I love going over to their houses and they have a can of something that I need right then. I mean, they're helpful. You know? Maybe there needs to be both in this world. I totally think so. Because, like, it's like, oh, I needed a, I don't know. Uh, a hose. <laughs> um, I don't know, like and miscellaneous knickknacks. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I love it. The the serving both. Now, um, speaking of serving, yes, I do actually want to get to your offerings and why you're here and how I can bring you more community through my own and how you would like to connect with this listener base. Yeah, thank you. Um, I'm coming back into the kind of intuitive space, entrepreneurial space, and it's been about eight months of growing it, nurturing it. But I love right now what I have to offer. I do this arts integration session. It's a half a day with me. We get to really hang out and you do not have to be an artist, period. You don't have to be creative. And so we work with language. I work with collage, sometimes I'll play around with paint, but whatever is easy, whatever spirit tells me to do, and we'll work on things, not only what you're processing, 
but we were processing something else. Mm -hmm. And then a layer on it was looking at our patterning and how do we approach life. So that, oh my gosh, it gets me going. It's a four hour session. We get to hang out and you get to take this stuff home with you. And then while you're processing, I will process with you and point out the kind of different patterning that may be showing up. What's your story while you're creating? Mm -hmm. And it's very much process oriented. Mm -hmm. And you happen to walk away with something and feel good. People feel better um, when they leave than when they came in. No question. And I still do one-on-one readings, intuitive readings, Reiki. I love working virtually. In the future, I'll start doing some more group things that are monitoring my own space and rhythm. So right now, I'm just most excited about this arts integration stuff is really, it has me excited and it's such an approachable way to discovery. So where can people find you? Um, in the show notes, we can go, I'm jessicasharpenstein.net is the easiest way to find me. We'll post the website in the show notes. Mm -hmm. I'll also post an offering. I have a 28 question self inquiry. I have a bunch of inquiry questions for your listeners mm -hmm. if they're interested because what I often find with my clients is they don't know where to begin mm -hmm. right thank you Chelsea and I just want to also add that I am opening up my calendar to Chelsea's listeners first so be looking for that calendar for September you all get some VIP access to that my calendar fills up pretty quickly so be looking for that in the show notes as well Chelsea, I love your work. I love your spirit. I love your commitment to, to healing both inside and outside. So thank you for having me today. I really appreciate it. I really appreciate you. And with that, I'm going to bring today's session to a close. I just want to thank you, Jessica, for coming here today, for sharing authentically, for bullshitting with the rest of us and just sharing your journey. I want to let you know more ways that you can connect with me, Chelsea, the practical Pisces. I have a Patreon that you can subscribe to that will have weekly and monthly forecasts for the collective as well as a special tier for all the Pisces out there. If you would like to connect with me in mentorship this fall 2023, I have my eight-week psychic mediumship and intuition introductory course called Opening the Door to Intuition and Spirit that is starting September 23rd, 2023. I have two new services I've added to my offerings. These are spirit art sessions that are specific to capturing the aura. I have one for the human experience and I also do pet orographs and portraits as well. Those are available on the website, thepracticalpisces.com. And I look so forward to connecting with each and every one of you. Thank you for opening the door with me today.